us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, make me a nail upon the wall, fastened securely in its place. Then from this thing so common and so small, hang a bright picture of thy face, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The topic of this hour's study is our gracious harmonizer. And we'd like to have you notice five words or sets of words. The first is the word sanctify. The second is the word Jesus. The third is the word harmonizer. And the fourth are the words new hearts. And the fifth, rules. We'd like you to notice, first of all, that the Holy Sabbath day, God is said, is the sign of his sanctifying power. Ezekiel, the 20th chapter, and the 12th verse. He said, I gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. Now, sanctification comes in two phases in our study today. The first is that sanctification which sets a man apart from his sins, and that brings us to the word Jesus. Matthew 1:21, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So the Sabbath sanctification of Jesus is that power which sets a man apart from the wickedness of the world, from the vices of the world, from the evil of the world. And the, th and the next part of the word sanctification has to do with setting people together in harmony. This text is found in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. Isn't that beautiful? So our Lord Jesus not merely is able to set a man apart from the sins of the world, but he's able to set his people together in a sweet, joyful, elegant harmony. The fourth is new hearts. This is the process by which Jesus is able to turn us from the sins of the world and set us apart from the world and to set us together in him. And the text is Ezekiel 36, 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Jesus separates us from the sins of the world and its wicked vices by giving us a new nature. He also harmonizes us together because we have a new nature. Otherwise, our hearts are hard, and we can be cruel toward each other. We can have a bitterness unless he gives us this heart of flesh. Now, there are rules of harmony. They're set forth in the Word of God. For two individuals to harmonize in Jesus, they must certainly observe Bible rules. And these rules are found in the Ten Commandment Law of God, particularly the last six. 
how can I harmonize with an individual who is stealing from me? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos 3.3. 3. How can I harmonize with an individual who breaks the ninth commandment, either the eighth or the ninth commandment, or the tenth, who steals, or the seventh, who commits adultery, the sixth, he steals, the seventh, he commits adultery, the eighth, he goes on and on into this separation of harmony. He actually is gossiping. He bears false witness. How can I harmonize with a person who is lying about people? How can I harmonize with an individual who is coveting that which I possess? So there are rules in the Word of God of harmony. One young lady came to us in one of the academies where we're giving a series. She said, I have a girlfriend. She comes in and without permission uses my dresses, my stockings, my shoes, and then she wonders why I'm cool toward her. There are many rules of harmony. There's the golden rule mentioned in Matthew 7:12. All things that you would that men do to you, do you even so to them? Let me put myself in the place of the other individuals. Would I want them to do to me what I'm doing to them? What would I want them to do? How would I want them to relate to me? It's very important in every aspect of life for us to put ourselves in the place of the other individual. For how can we have harmony if we refuse to let the Lord Jesus in us practice the golden rule? Now, there are, there are ways by which we can help the individual who is not practicing the golden rule. I want to share with you three examples. The first is the example of an individual who attacks the character of another blatantly. The second is the individual who does not attack the individual personally, but he attacks his policies or his teaching in a very deceptive manner, thereby trying to weaken our influence in him. The third example is that of an individual who has a new heart and he does everything in his power to harmonize with individuals who are opposed to him. The first is that of an individual who attacks another individual personally, blatantly. There was a member of my church many years ago who came to me accusing an officer of our church. It is true that he accused him wrongfully. The man was not guilty, but he professed to have excellent uh, evidence that this man was guilty. And I think in his own heart, he actually had come to a place where he believed that the officer in the church was guilty. You see, we can do wishful thinking unless we have new hearts. We can hope that a man is guilty unless we have the heart that Jesus has promised us. So he came to me very sure that this fellow officer in the church was guilty. He, was, he thought he was not merely guilty of doing wrong, but he thought that he was guilty of doing the very thing that he was preaching against, which would make him also a hypocrite. So right away, I did what the Bible says to do when a man comes that way. I took the statement of Jesus Christ found in Matthew 18, verses 15 to 18. It says, go to him alone. But I went a step farther since I was his pastor. I said, brother, let's find out whether he's done this or not. Let's go and see him. Uh, this officer's... Uh, office was right across the alley from my church office. So I said, let's stop uh, over to his office 
and we'll ask him. And I noticed right away, this man didn't want to ask him. He didn't want to go to him alone, for he wanted to hurt him. He hoped he was wrong, for he did not have the new heart. But I insisted because I was his pastor. I said, that is what we shall do immediately. So I almost took him by the hand to lead him over to the other gentleman's office. And right away I came out cold turkey. I didn't uh, have any introduction at all. I said, did you do such and such a thing? He said, no, I didn't. And he presented the evidence, which was very simple and very clear. I said, thank you. And we walked right out of his office. When we got outside of the building, I turned to this member of my church family and I said, had that man done the thing that he was preaching against, wouldn't that have been terrible? He said, that's why, I'm, that's why I came to you. I said, no, brother, since he did not do the thing you accused him of, isn't the accusation wrong? He said, I don't see that it's wrong. Why could he not see that it was wrong? Because he did not have the sanctifying power of the new heart that no one but the Creator can give, and the Creator for which the Sabbath stands. I would not let it drop there. I knew there can be no gossipers where there are no listeners. So I said, Brother, who told you? And I could see he was disturbed. He didn't want to tell me who told him, but I was his pastor. Finally, he said, well, my wife, if you want to know. I said, jump in the car. He jumped in the car. Where are you going? I'm going to your home. We walked in his house. I said to his wife, your husband tells me that you told him that this man is guilty of such and such a thing. Who told you? She said, Pastor, I don't want to get into trouble. I said, you're not getting in. You're already in. Who told you? She said, well, if you must know my son, where is he? She said he's over at the sanitarium, on the grounds, in the landscaping department. I said, let's get in. We're going, brother. And you know, by this time, the man was almost a paralytic. His feet were lead, as it were. But I helped him in. We drove over to the sanitarium grounds. We saw his son. I said, son, your father tells me that your mother told him that you told her so-and-so. Who told you? You ought to have seen the expression on the young man's face. Who told you? He said, nobody. Why did you tell your mother? I didn't. She said you did. I didn't. What did you tell her? I told my mother that I wouldn't put it past him to do it. Do you see, my friends? The whole line of gossip and evil speaking originated with hearts that were not new hearts in Christ Jesus. Had they gone to the Creator and said, Lord, take this animosity out of my heart, the sanctifying power for which the Sabbath stands could have been theirs. How do, you, how do you stop that evil speaking? Do as I did. The second example is that of a man who did not have the carnal heart, really, but he'd lost sight of his Creator who gives him the tender heart. He had been deprived, as he felt, of a place in the ministry. So he felt a little edgy toward the ministry. He didn't make a personal attack on any minister, but he used another stance. He attacked the policies in a very uh, apparently conscientious way. And uh, then he attacked the teaching of the minister in a very low key. He invited people to come to his house. And in the most conscientious frame of speech 
and countenance. He opened the Bible and very devotedly he presented to them something that was deeper, as he thought, and was more scriptural than what his pastor was presenting. And the people bought it. They bought it partly because this man was a very open-hearted man. He had a very tender heart in many respects, but he didn't know that his heart had a little edginess. And so there he was, carrying on. As the Lord would have it, my wife and I were called to hold a series of meetings in the very church where this holy, quote-unquote, man was creating a little difference of spirit in the church. It hadn't broken out into the open. It just came out in church councils where if one heard what another suggested, he would suggest something in a little different way, very kindly. But in the heart, there was that little spirit of which God does not approve. Does not the Bible say in Hebrews 2.11, there's another phase to the sanctifying power? Both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. Wherefore, he's not ashamed to call us brethren. This dear man had not understood the sanctifying power of harmony. It harmonizes hearts that otherwise are a little edgy. As I heard about this division that was slowly coming out into the open, I prayed to the Lord that in my very first sermon in that church, I would present the harmonizing Christ. The Sabbath stands for his sanctifying power, Ezekiel 20, 12. But the sanctifying power is more than that which separates us from the gross sins of the world. It brings us together in Jesus Christ through the new heart relationship. So I took Hebrews 2.11 as my text for that night. Both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. And I gave example after example of how Jesus Christ, our creator, is willing to come and make us new creatures in Christ Jesus. And as I cited example after example of how people who are a little edgy toward each other, where a little root of bitterness had sprung up, had found a sweet harmony through the creative power of our Lord, I brought my sermon to a close. I extended an invitation. I said tonight, dear friends, most of us are Sabbath-keeping Christians, but perhaps we've not fully realized the significance of the Sabbath. For one thing, it signifies and it memorializes our Creator's work, not merely His work in making a world out of nothing, but His work of creating new hearts, harmonizing hearts, hearts that love each other, hearts that will not hurt each other, hearts that will not offend each other, hearts that will not cause people to belittle our friends. And as I brought this sermon to a close, bless your heart, I said, friend, anyone here this evening who feels that you've not understood this feature of the Lord's holy day, you've not understood that the Lord of the Lord's day brings people together in him, and you've not fought for the unity of the faith, 
and you're sorry, would you like to come to the altar with me? And we'll fall on our knees before the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll ask him to give us this new heart experience that will never rest satisfied until we've done all within our power to affect harmony. Friends, the first man to walk to the altar was this man who had been the trouble with, the troublemaker in a very conscientious stance. The tears were trickling down his cheeks as he fell on his knees there with the rest of us and cried out to God, please forgive me, Lord. I knew which day was a Sabbath was a thought in his heart. I knew the Sabbath begins at sunset and closes at sunset. I knew which day of the week is the Lord's holy day, but I did not realize the sanctifying power that unites people in Jesus Christ. The man entered a new experience in his life. Now the third, uh, the third example that I'd like to share with you is a very positive experience. It is one that I love to relate. My wife and I were conducting a series of tent meetings in an English-speaking island in the West Indies. Among the people that were in attendance was a 70-year-old man. His hair was white as snow. I was only about 29 years of age, and he was 70. Uh, he came night after night listening to the message that we gave from God's Word. He had promised his wife, his mother on her deathbed, that he would become a Christian sometime. He told us later that he had gone to various churches and somehow he didn't seem to feel the harmony in those churches that he thought should be experienced by Christians. Then he came to our tent up on a little hill and he sat night after night as though he were spellbound listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Finally, one morning, very early in the morning, he came to my home. And uh, as I welcomed him, he said, Brother Kuhn, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night to ask a question. I've come to you by day to ask a question. He said, I would like to ask you, are you sure that Saturday is the same seventh day of creation? Is there any way that I can be sure? And I said, yes, my brother. And I spent about 20 minutes explaining to him how that the same seventh day of the week that we worship on is the same day of creation. And when I was through, he said, I understand. You will see me with you next Sabbath morning in your Sabbath school. And he said, I wonder if you would permit me to read the 23rd Psalm this coming Sabbath morning. And you know how it goes, friends. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I said, surely. So he came the next Sabbath morning, the first Sabbath he'd ever kept in all his life. His face was radiant with smiles. He stood there at the, on the rostrum, and he read the 23rd Psalm. He was one of the most 
beautiful characters that I have ever met. He read it with pathos, with the love of God in his heart. And then he decided that he wanted to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as he was planning on baptism, the Holy Spirit impressed him with the fact that the Sabbath stands for a unity, a harmony in Jesus Christ. It is he who makes new hearts. And he recalled that several years before that, a man through slander had deprived him of a leading government position which he'd occupied. And the man that had slandered him had taken over his office. The result was that my friend had withheld his speech from this other man whom we shall call Mr. Smith. As the Holy Spirit worked on his heart, he said to himself, I am going to do everything in my power to make wrongs right, even though that man is the one who stole my job, even though he slandered me. Still the fact that I held hard feelings, I shouldn't have done it. And Jesus has come into my heart, and I no longer hold hard feelings toward this man, even though he stole my job, he slandered me, and all of that. He said, I'm going to do everything in my power to, to harmonize. So one morning, found him there at the office of this man, Mr. Smith. His secretary called into the inner office where Mr. Smith was sitting at his desk and said, Mr. Smith, there's someone here who would like to see you. Mr. Smith said, tell him to come in. My friend, Mr. Ogilvy, walked in, and when Mr. Smith saw Mr. Ogilvy, he almost froze. But Mr. Ogilvy smiled one of those charming smiles that he'd found in Christ. And he started his conversation this way. Mr. Smith, I have come to ask a favor of you, and I'm sure that you will grant me this favor. And Mr. Smith almost grunted back, and what is it? He said, Mr. Smith, for years, as you know, I have withheld my speech from you, but I have recently given my heart to Jesus Christ, and I'm going to be baptized into the, Sab into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to unite with the Sabbath-keeping church. And I want everything in my record clear. And so I've wondered if you'd be willing to forgive me for the spirit that I've manifested toward you. Friends, notice this. Never once did he say, Mr. Smith, in spite of the fact that you slandered me, in spite of the fact that you stole my job, none of that was there. He never once referred to the other man's sins, his, his meanness, he took all the blame, and as he smiled in the face of Mr. Smith, Smith immediately melted. The tears began to roll down his cheeks as they rolled down my friend Brother Ogilvy's cheeks. And in another moment, those two men who had been enemies for years were in a fond embrace. You can imagine how the angels must have sang, or must have sung around the throne of God because two hearts had been unified 
The one was not a Christian, the other was. My friends, the result of that sanctifying unity found in Jesus Christ, the spirit of harmony that this man has shown for a man who didn't deserve it, spread all around that city and that island. When the baptismal service took place and I baptized Brother Ogilvy, there were 2,000 of his friends and neighbors there to witness his baptism. So tremendous was the change that had taken place in Jesus Christ. This is the sanctifying power found in Jesus Christ, the lovely Lord of the Lord's Day. This man told me later, Brother Ogilvy said, he said, my friends come around to me and they say, Mr. Ogilvy, I, we wonder if you haven't lost your mind. And he said, I say to them, yes, I think I have lost my mind because I don't think like I used to at all. Now I, I think I have the mind of Jesus. My friends, this is the lovely Lord of the Lord's Day. This is the creative power of Jesus Christ. Nearly everywhere we go, we find men and women who learning of this new significance of the, sancti the, sanctity, the sanctity of the Lord's Day, its sanctifying power, they're determined to make wrongs right. I think of a minister that sat on the rostrum with me some years ago. He had spoken unkindly to one of his church members, and he was rather a sharp minister. When that service closed, the minister jumped in his car, went over to the home of his church member. He fell down on two, two knees before this church member, and he said, will you forgive me? I have not represented the love of Jesus Christ and his humility. Please forgive me. And the man said, of course I will forgive you. My friends, there is a Lord of the Lord's day that makes new hearts. He separates us from the vices of the world. He unites us in Jesus Christ. And even for people who do not have the spirit of Christ, he still gives us the spirit of unity toward all. Shall we pray? Dear Father in heaven, I thank you that the viewing audience today has the privilege of looking up into the face of the creator of the heavens and the earth and of saying, Lord, give me a new spirit. Give me a spirit, Lord, that longs to harmonize. And even with those who have no spirit of harmony, may I do all in my power to have Jesus in my heart by the simple process of yielding to him so that I can say of even my enemies, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Thank you, Lord, it is you that work in us, both the will and the do of your good pleasure. We believe it and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. And friends, this power in Jesus is for you. Won't you take it? Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.